Hey, I'm Elijah, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad that you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Was it not? Man, absolutely appreciate everybody on the worship team leading us in worship. Such a, such a good place to get our hearts focused, right? Recognizing the worthiness of who God is and why we come to him with all of our concerns, our anxieties, everything, and just give it to him and trust that he knows everything that's good for us. Such a good, good song. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab Grab them, open them up to Matthew chapter 6. We are continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount began back in chapter 5, but this fall we've been walking through chapter 6, and uh, we've really walked through some very practical teachings of Jesus. How we are to give earlier in the chapter, he speaks to us about how, in fact, we are to give, not to be recognized by men, right? Like that's not the proper heart to go as we give to the needy. Uh, How we are to pray, right? That we don't do it to be uh, lifting up lofty words or make us sound really spiritually eloquent, right? That's not the point of prayer. The point of prayer is that we get to have a conversation with our God, right? And we also walk through uh, using uh, empty phrases, right? And what makes a word empty is when you pray to something that really has no power or authority, right? You just, like, I use the illustration of talking to this podium like this doesn't really do me any good if I can I can hold a conversation with it but this podium's not doing anything for me right and so we walk through this idea of praying to somebody that has power that has authority and that we can impact our life and that's obviously the Lord Jesus and his father in heaven right and then we walk through what Jesus laid out for us in the model prayer right and we you can probably recite it from memory our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done Give us this day our daily bread. And I'm having a mental break and I forgot it. Give us this day. Oh, wait, this is a really important part. This actually is the main theme of our passage today, verse 12, right? Uh, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then it goes on and he says, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's really interesting that Jesus throws this line in here, and then right after he's done giving us this uh, model prayer, he kind of doubles down and backs up and talks again about this very important aspect of the believer, which is understanding and practically living out forgiveness. The passages we're going to be in today are verses 14 and 15, and they deal with forgiveness. Now, I'm just going to be very, very frank with you. This is not an easy subject to walk through. The reality is, as we know this as believers, sin is rampant in the world. And where there is sin, inevitably there is hurt and pain and suffering. 
that follows sin. And the reality is, as we really consider this aspect of forgiveness and the fact that sin is, in fact, everywhere, when we talk about forgiveness, every single one of us have our own hurt, our own pain, our own suffering that we've experienced. It could have been in a relationship where, where something wrong happened, sin occurred, and it caused the relationship to fall apart or dissolve. And there's a lot of hurt and weight that comes in that conversation. It could have been something that happened to you as a child. Maybe it was neglect. Maybe it was abuse. It could have been physical or verbal abuse. And you have these pains and these hurts that you, 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 you deal with or you carry with in life. And the reality is, as we talk about forgiveness, man, we think about that hurt that we have all experienced and we go, really? Do we really want to talk about it? It's uncomfortable, right? The natural human reaction is when we get hurt, the first thing we do is we build walls. You, you, you can understand this. I'm sure you've done I know I've done this in my life, right? I got hurt. I'm going to set a wall so I don't have to go through that hurt again. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to just keep building walls. It's a protective mechanism we have where we don't even actually walk through what it means to bring restoration or healing in a relationship. When we get hurt, we just build the walls and say, okay, I'm good. I'm safe as long as I don't have to go through that experience again. Jesus, as we're going to read this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, lays out some pretty profound and practical things for us to understand. So let's read the text, and we'll begin in prayer after that, and we'll walk through it. So Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15 say this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord and the Holy Spirit to guide us and to walk us through these passages. And before we pray, I just want to encourage you. I want, I want you to pray also to the Lord and ask him to maybe reveal in your heart where there is this aspect of trespasses that you have not yet dealt with. And that the Holy Spirit will encourage you and gently walk you through, hey, there are some things I need to deal with or, or walk through with the Lord. And, and, and he'll bring those things to your attention. You see, I, as before we get ready to pray, I don't think it's an accident that the Lord taught us how to pray before walking through forgiveness. Right? I don't think that's an accident. Nor do I think it's an accident that he mentions it twice within a short sentence or a short couple of verses, right? This is important for us. So let's go to the Lord. Let's ask him to help us, walk us through this aspect of forgiveness in our life and how it can benefit us and how it should be applied to us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning really uh, just excited about opening your word, Lord, encouraged about the things that are happening in our lives and around us. Uh, Lord, we get to baptize two people today. That's just so exciting the work of the Lord happening there. It's just incredible. Lord, I pray that you would be with me this morning. Guide my words. Remove me as a person. Help people to hear your word and not me. I ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. One of the things you see in this passage 
that we really helps us understand and, and teaches us how to walk through forgiveness is this word trespasses. It's mentioned three times in these short two verses. Trespasses. It comes from a Greek word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It starts with the P, paraptoma, I think is how it's pronounced. This is a noun. It denotes general moral failure. It is the noun form of another word that's very closely associated. Pipto, which is also means to fall. It often refers to the beginning of sin in a general sense and has the same connotation of moral failure. A lot of the, the words that are associated with trespass are iniquities, transgression, the church word sin, right? Like these are all words closely associated with the word trespasses. And another word that's closely associated in scripture with trespasses is this aspect of reconciliation, you see, when someone does something wrong to us, our desire is that we get it made right or that it gets reconciled. It's an accounting term, reconciliation. Earlier in verse 12, Jesus used the picture of debts, financial terms, when you have a debt against somebody or a trespass against somebody. See, that word trespass not talking about somebody coming on your property without your permission. It's talking about sin that we commit against other people. And to really wrap our heads around what it means to deal with this sin or this trespass against us, we have to walk through what Scripture says we have committed, the trespasses we have committed against God. And the example of how, in other words, for us to be able to transition from the trespassing against somebody, walking through reconciliation, and then leading to forgiveness really is exampled for us in the life and the, in, in the character and the behavior of our Father. He has done it for us. And so as we walk through this aspect of reconciliation, the aspect of being restored, if you will, or renewed, I can't help but go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul speaks of this to a church in Corinth. Now, if you don't know anything about the church in Corinth, that's okay. Let me tell you, as a church... To say they, they were an absolute mess is an understatement, okay? They, they had trespasses on top of trespasses. They weren't getting along. There was division in the church. There was conflict. There were egregious sins that were happening. Like the kind of sins that pagans would say, man, I ain't even going near that. So sin was very rampant in this church. And Paul, he wrote a letter that we know it as 1 Corinthians. But here in 2 Corinthians, he's, he's speaking to them and talking to them about this aspect of reconciliation. What happens when trespasses are done against us? And so in verse 17, he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is now a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
So you see that word reconcile repeated in that passage many times, the ministry of reconciliation. And what it goes to show us is that first and foremost, we have to recognize this in this conversation of forgiveness, that in fact, every human being, every single person has committed trespasses against God. We have to understand that. We could be good people, but we still committed trespasses against God. We've broken his holy law. You're like, man, Pastor John, I've never killed anybody. That's true. That's good. Have you ever told a lie? Ouch. That's a little bit harder. I mean, we see this aspect of sin egregiously, and Paul speaks that if you've broken one of these commandments, you've broken them all, and you're guilty of them. So we have to understand every single person in this room has, in fact, committed a trespass against God. But God didn't sit there and say, hey, listen, you offended me. You broke my law. You, you have done this horrible hurt to me. I'm now going to hold a grudge against you. Good thing. Absolutely. But what does he do? He sits here and he says, listen, I, I want to restore my relationship with you. I, I want it to be fixed. I, I want it to be able to be reconciled. To be, to be renewed, if you will. These are common church terms that we often use in Scripture. And I love that he says this in there, and I highlighted this in my own text, where he says, I'm not going to count their trespasses against them. In other words, in common English, I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to bring up the trespasses you do when it, it's convenient for me. This is, the, this is the way God illustrates his love for us. It's a major character of God. Even though we have done wrong against him, even though we have sinned against him, we have committed iniquities against him, he has sent his son on our behalf so that the sins that we committed against him would not be counted against us. He's walking us through this process of reconciliation. And to believers, he teaches us that this is in fact a ministry that has been imparted to us. In other words, this is something, as believers, we should have a pretty good grip on. How to walk through reconciliation. How to restore relationships. Paul, to another church in Romans 5, 8, he says this, But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still being offensive, while we were still being jerks, if you want to say it like that, while we were being rude to him in any way you want to put it. While we were yet sinners, Christ, he died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. What a powerful passage. Jesus is saying, listen, you were my enemies. God is saying, Paul is talking and teaching. the We were enemies of God. We, we rejected him. We didn't desire him. We didn't seek him. Nothing in us was really trying to go after him. We didn't even care about the relationship. And God says, no, I care about you. I love you. I desire you. 
I want to be in communion and relationship. I want to fix this. This is the beginning process as we begin to understand how forgiveness works. The desire in God's heart, while we committed sins against him, while we were his enemies, the desire in God's heart was that, hey, I want us to be good. I want us to get fixed. I desire that the wrongs get, get handled and get taken care of. And of course, this is done through Jesus Christ and the work on the cross. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. This is another church to which Paul is writing another letter. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. See, this is closely associated as we walk through what forgiveness means in our own life. The key to understanding forgiveness in our own lives is to understand the forgiveness that has been offered to us by God himself through his son Jesus. And when we start to understand that forgiveness, the vertical forgiveness, if you will, trying to take that and apply it to our life and spread it horizontally to the hurts that maybe we have experienced in our life, becomes much, much easier. In fact, I would say this. Without understanding the forgiveness from the Father in our own life, trying to forgive the horizontal relationship isn't going to work, period. Because the true aspect of forgiveness is illustrated by the Father and the actions he did through Jesus to forgive us. And so as we walk through this, there's another passage in Romans, Romans 3. This is actually Paul quoting a couple of psalms, Psalms 14 and Psalms 53. He uses these two psalms and kind of merges them together. And if you've been to church, you've heard this. This is really understanding the egregious trespasses we have committed against God. In, psalms, or in Romans 3, Paul says this regarding our nature, our human nature, in regards to our relationship with God. He says this, for we have already charged, he's speaking about uh, the Jewish nation, really, and are they better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles, basically every single person, all are under sin. This is Paul affirming that we all struggle with this. As it is written, and most of us know this passage, none is righteous, no, not one. And we stop there. But this is really Paul describing. He's quoting from Psalms 14 and Psalms 53. He's describing really the human condition. I want to keep reading. No, not, uh, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open gravel. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. What does that mean? He's saying we as humans often use the very words of our mouth to poison relationships, to attack people, to create venom, if you will, in our conversations. It's damaging. It hurts. This is our nature. This is what exists in us. Their venom of asp is under the venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. We like violence. We like to fight. You've ever heard the expression fight or flight? I know this in myself. 
I tend to be a fighter more than a, one that runs. That's not a good thing, right? It's not a good thing. But we have this in our nature where we, we are after fighting. We love to seek and our feet are swift to shed blood. We're, we're quick to go to conflict. In their path are ruins and misery. And maybe some of you, as you listen to this in your own heart and in your own mind and in your own life, you can reflect on some of maybe the hurt you have experienced in your own life. Whether it was in a relationship with a spouse, whether it was a relationship between a father and a mother, whether it was some experience you had as a child, you think of these things and you go, yeah, that's true. I've walked through these things. I can feel this pain, this misery, this hurt, this suffering. This is the human condition. He continues in verse 17.